0: Brethren, the story of a great recovery. Part 1 England and Wales Chapter 43 In Westmoreland In the early thirties of last century, a journey of three hundred miles from Devon to the northwest corner of England, over roads which had not up to that time received the patient care and engineering still of later days, was indeed a formidable undertaking. And yet, incredible though it may seem, in a comparatively short time from the start at Plymouth, brethren were to be found in the town of Kendall in distant Westmoreland, assembling themselves together on the first day of the week for the purpose of remembering the Lord in the breaking of bread. While it is generally assumed that the assembly came into being as a result of personal intercourse with early brethren at the very commencement of the spiritual movement in the south, yet there appears to be no documentary evidence extant to support this. Who can say but that those believers may have come together solely under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit? quite independent of what had already taken place elsewhere. About this time, or soon afterwards, what was known as the Fellside Sunday School was started in the poorer part of the town by William Wilson, an influential gentleman of high Christian character who was greatly respected in Kendall. It was an undenominational school, assisted in later years by teachers from Kendall Assembly, which then had and still has its meeting place at Sand Area. Under the spiritual care and guidance of Mr. Wilson, the school became a powerful influence in the neighborhood. Many who in after years went forth to preach the gospel, were brought to the Lord at those primitive services. As an indication of the large numbers attending the Sunday school, it is stated that at the annual summer outing to Levens Hall, some three or four miles distant, to which place the journey was undertaken by canal boat, there were usually about a thousand passengers, including parents and friends. The present Sunday school at Sandaria was commenced by Thomas Wales, who, along with his wife, afterwards went forth from Kendall to serve the Lord in Demerara. In reviewing the early days of the movement, it will have been observed that in the majority of cases, strange though it may appear to readers of the present generation, those early gatherings were for the most part composed of Christians who had formerly been staunch church members but had left the denominations because of spiritual convictions as to what should be the true attitude of the child of God in relation to the scriptural meaning of baptism and the Lord's Supper. While this in a measure appeared also to be the case in the present instance, still it was mainly from the old established body of Quakers in the district that the young assembly was largely built up. The work at Kendall greatly prospered, and before the passage of many years, the meeting was a large and flourishing one. Many of its members belonged to the leading families in the town and we find the following names well represented, Wakefield, Crudson, Wilson, and Rhodes. The present hall that Kendall was built by Edward Wakefield, a local banker, who also provided halls for Brethren at Bonus on Windermere and Keswick. Among early Brethren sometime resident in Kendall, whose names are remembered because of their labors in the Gospel and in the ministry of the Word in the upbuilding of the Assembly, were the brothers Henry and William Dyer, Henry Groves, and James Shawwell. The latter resided there for a number of years. He was well known as an evangelist and pastor, and exercised his gifts in and about the Kendall meeting. On one occasion during special services in the neighbouring town of Bonus on Windermere, the attendance was so great that the floor had to be propped up from below, lest it should give way. Both Mr. Groves and Mr. Shotwell used to visit our home at Bonus in my young days, writes Mr. G. N. Burkett, and I remember them well. Mr. Groves was of the stern valiant-for-the-truth type, but mellowed much in his later years. Mr. Shawell was a very kindly, gracious man. He spent the closing years of his life with his daughter, who married George Brealey of the Black Downhill Mission. In 1868 Henry Groves came to Kendall with the intention of staying for a few weeks, But here he settled, and though for nearly a quarter of a century he continued to travel across the country in the service of the Lord, the secluded town among the hills of Westmoreland became his home until, in the summer of 1891, he passed into the presence of the Lord. The story of the early years of Henry Grove's teams with exciting episodes, brimful of heroic moments and unparalleled endurance in face of war, famine and flood, the recounting of which reads not unlike highly colored fiction from the pen of a novelist. He was the eldest son of Anthony Chorus Groves, notable as a pioneer missionary, a record of whose life has already been given in a former chapter. Henry was born at Exeter in 1818. At the age of 10, along with a younger brother, he accompanied his parents in the perilous journey to Baghdad, through St. Petersburg and Moscow and the brigand-infested wilds of southern Russia. The terrible experience of those torturous years in Persia, and particularly the dreadful months the heroic little band of missionaries passed through during their stay in the plague stricken city, made a lasting impression. So deeply did the experience fix itself upon the boy's mind that in later years Henry pathetically recalled the fact that after leaving England he could not remember ever having been a boy. Henry Groves and his brother Frank followed their father to India and joined in a noble effort to establish a self supporting mission. For some time the venture prospered, but after years of strenuous labor, the father's health broke down, difficulties arose, and despite privation and personal loss, the scheme failed and had to be abandoned. But those difficult and trying years were far from bearing, for the Lord was truly laying the foundation of a great building, which today has left its mark in many parts of India. In the year 1857 Henry Groves came to Britain and took the opportunity of visiting many assemblies throughout the country. He afterwards crossed to the United States, and the deep impression created in his mind regarding the work of revival which he witnessed in this country was accentuated by what he saw in America. He now felt on fire for the master and longed to go forth at his call. In 1863 the way became clear and the step was taken at Bristol. Five years later we find Henry Groves at Kendall. As a teacher and writer, the name of Henry Groves is notably associated with the activities of Brethren during the second half of last century, and he is still remembered as the editor of The Golden Lamp, a monthly which had a considerable circulation amongst Brethren. Lye was also joint editor with Dr. McLean of Echoes in the early years of that missionary journal. That the Kendall Meeting has ever kept before them the importance of the work in the foreign field is strikingly evinced by their splendid record of service. From this assembly eleven have gone forth to many parts of the world, three of whom belong to the medical profession, while one of the number was married to a daughter of Dr. Livingstone and died in Sierra Leone. Since its birth a hundred years ago, the assembly at Kendall has maintained a steady and consistent testimony. Brethren, many of whom rank amongst our chief men, have had happy fellowship in the development and furtherance of the Lord's work in this somewhat isolated corner of England. Among those who have enjoyed a lifelong association the name of Theodore Wilson is lovingly remembered. He was a son of William Wilson one of the founders of this assembly and during his long and useful life the welfare and shepherding of the flock to which he was endeared engaged his whole-hearted attention up to the time of his home call in 1933. The original trust deed drawn up upon the purchase of the property where the neighboring assembly of Bonus on Windermere now worships is an interesting document and is worthy of setting down here. It stipulates that those who meet at Bank Terrace Room, the meeting place of the Assembly, shall be those who are sound in the faith, proving it by their works, holding the true divinity of our Lord as well as His perfect manhood and depending wholly upon His atonement and intercession for their salvation, holding also the true Godhead of the Holy Ghost as distinct yet one with the Father and the need of His work for the conversion of the soul to God for sanctification of believers, holding also the ruin and utter corruption of man by nature through the fall of Adam and especially for the ministry of the word at which meetings for worship and fellowship shall be permitted in accordance with directions in the 12th and 14th chapters of the epistle of Paul to the Corinthians for any Christian who can speak to edification of which the body at large shall be the judge, as stated in chapter 14 verse 29 to exercise his gift at suitable times and in the said place for the purpose of preaching the gospel of the grace of God by any person approved by the church. This trust deed, as is usual with legal documents, is without punctuation, hence some tendency to being involved. The assembly at Bonus on Windermere, in the heart of the English Lake District, appears to have commenced shortly after that of Kendall. There are records of a meeting and a list of the names of those in fellowship, as far back as the year 1836. The meeting took place in a cottage near what was then known as the Bazaar, opposite St. Martin's, the parish church of Windermere. The place of meeting seems later to have been in a house at Low Side, but later still a Dr. Paisley fitted out a room at a small hydro known as the Douche, on the site now occupied by the town's gasworks. Among those in fellowship at this time was John Pattinson, father of the late Mrs. Heard of the Ambleside Assembly. George Muller was among visitors who had fellowship with the meeting while at the Douche. About the year 1851, Edward Wakefield, of Kendal, built the hall at present occupied by the assembly, and it was handed over for their use, rent-free. There are records about this time of visits by Robert Chapman, a Barnstaple, and of the then well-known evangelist, William Carter, a converted chimney sweep, when the hall becoming too small a gallery was erected. Some years later, during structural alterations, the gallery was removed, and in this primitive meeting place, hallowed by memories of other days, the testimony still continues.